0: Good to see all of you tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As we continue our study of 1 Corinthians. By the way, just a quick commercial for Sunday morning. We're going to continue our series in the book of Philippians, starting in chapter 2. And anybody in the room ever had struggles in your relationships? Well, guess what? Sunday morning's message will be right right on target then cuz it's all about how do we handle sometimes the struggles we have in our relationships with others. Tonight, spiritual gifts and before I dive in also I just want to remind you if you were here Sunday you heard this but there's so much material on spiritual gifts. I just wanted to generally cover the passages for the next 3 weeks, chapter 12, 13 and 14. But obviously there's a lot of detail in spiritual gifts that I think it's important to at least make available to to the church if you're interested. So my wife, as I shared Sunday, one of her passions in her walk with the Lord has always been spiritual gifts and helping other Christians to discover their spiritual gifts and just giving people information on spiritual gifts. So we've accumulated a lot of material on spiritual gifts over our years in ministry, and we put together a little packet uh, it identifies the gifts. Uh, it tells you a little bit of a definition of what these gifts are, uh, the uses misuses. It's not exhaustive any more than this passage is exhaustive, but it may be a little bit more of a help to you. If you're interested in more information, you can pick up one of those packets from Lisa right after the Bible study is over. Paul says with regard. To spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were off, often led astray by speechless idols, however you were led. So I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Paul starts out this passage, this chapter on spiritual gifts, by actually not talking about the gifts, but about the people who use him, who use them. The reason we know that is in verse 1 of uh, 1 of Corinthians chapter 12, the Greek word there for spiritual is pneumatikos. It's talking about spiritual people. When Paul is referring to spiritual gifts, he will use the Greek word charisma that he uses over in verse 4. But in verse 1, he uses the word pneumatikos. And what he's using that term for is to remind the Corinthians and us about a very important principle. And that is that God can give any of us gifts, abilities, tools, if you will, to bring glory to Him, to edify the church, to build the church up, but they're only going to be as effective as, in a sense, the people are who are using them. And the Corinthian church is a classic example of that. There is no more gifted church in the New Testament than the Corinthian church, but there was no church who had more internal problems than the Corinthian church, because they were gifted, spiritually gifted, but they were not spiritual people. Think of gifts as tools. And in a sense, it's like even a tool in the world today. The thing is amoral. It's not positive or negative, good or evil. But you put certain people behind those. You put certain people in charge of those and depending upon their spirituality or lack of it or character or lack of it, then it goes in all kinds of different directions. And that's why Paul starts out with, guys, before we even start talking about gifts, let's talk about being spiritual people, because that's the most important thing. Then if we are spiritually who we should be, then whatever gifts, abilities, talents, all that that God gives us, that will fall into its proper place if we are spiritual people. And one of the things Paul is using when he uses this term is to remind the Corinthians and us that a spiritual person is not someone who just possesses the spirit. Because all Christians possess the spirit of God when they become a Christian. But a spiritual person, a spiritual Christian, is one whose primary influence in their life is the Holy Spirit. Let me illustrate that back to another passage that Paul's already said. But to show you this, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Go back there with me for just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm just going to pick it up reading in verse 1. Notice Paul says, so brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but instead as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready. In fact, you are still not ready for you are still influenced by the flesh. For since there is jealousy and dissension among you, are you not influenced by the flesh and behaving like un?" Regenerate people. See, Paul is reminding us there that a spiritual Christian is not someone defined just by the fact that they possess the spirit. Because the Corinthians were being more influenced by their flesh than they were the spirit of God. And therefore, Paul said, I cannot speak to you as spiritual people. So back then to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's why he starts off again emphasizing the fact in chapter 12 that with regard to spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. The most important thing he's telling all of us to be concerned with is that we allow the Holy Spirit of God to be the primary influence in our life. Period. Whatever gifts and Talents and abilities then will flow out of him being the primary influence. And then he goes into verse 2, reminding them of their background. In Corinth, most of the people in the church at Corinth had come from a Gentile pagan background. So they understood what Paul meant when he said, you know that when you were pagans, you were often led astray by speechless idols, however you were led. Wait a minute. They were idols. As Paul even said, they couldn't talk. But they were still being carried away, literally is what the Greek means. How could they do that? Because as he's already said in other places in the Corinthians, even though they were lifeless, speechless idols, there was a supernatural demonic power behind it all. And that even though they didn't understand at the time, they were being carried away by a supernatural power. And they were caught up in the supernatural, which many people are today. But Paul said, be careful. Because just because I'm involved in something supernatural doesn't mean it's of God, doesn't mean it's in a sense spiritual, which is why then he goes on in verse three to say, so I want you to understand that there's got to be some tests when it comes to spiritual things, not just being highly influenced by the spirit of God, but what's really important. Paul's telling the Corinthians and us is not, if you will, the rapper around something. It's not the appearance. It's it's not the externals. It's not the fluff. It's not the experience. It's not even something supernatural. It's got to go deeper than that. You and I, as well as the Corinthians, have to look at the content. We've got to look at the substance. We've got to look at what's below the surface. And that's why he uses the test of find out what the content or substance of these messages are. Because he's saying there, and this isn't an exhaustive test either, he's just saying, look, if something is of the Spirit of God, they're certainly not going to, in their content, say Jesus is cursed. And he says, only the Spirit of God is going to lead somebody to say, Jesus Christ is Lord, and that we should acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. So in verse three, again, Paul is simply saying, don't get caught up in the experience itself or in this context, just because you have a speaker in front of you who, man, you know, they seem to uh, have it all together and and be very eloquent and articulate. And it seems like th- there's something supernatural going on there and and that they're very sure and confident in what they're talking about. Paul says, Really, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter as much as what are they saying. What's the content of their message? What is the substance of what they're saying? Don't be led astray. Because there are powers, supernatural powers, behind everything. And we need to make sure that as spiritual people, that the Spirit of God is the one who's most highly influencing us, not something or someone else. So with that said... Paul then begins in verse four to talk then about once you and I nail down the fact that our highest priority needs to be that the spirit of God doesn't just possess us or doesn't live just inside of us, but we allow him to take the lead in our lives. Then Paul wants us to know a few things about spiritual gifts. And the very first thing he wants to talk about is the differences, the diversity that God gifted us all distinctly, if you will. Notice how many times the word different is used in verses four and five. Now, there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different results, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. A couple different things. First of all, again, the word different simply means a variety of Every one of you who's a Christian, you, you we all have varieties of gifts. We all don't have the same gifts or combination of gifts. and we're going to get to that in a minute. So again, we all shouldn't try to make each other just like us because God didn't make us all like each other. We're all unique creations of God physically. We are also all unique creations of God in a sense spiritually too. When we were born again, we were also uniquely created in the image. Notice he also says in verse 5, different ministries, serving opportunities is what the word ministry means. In other words, the spiritual gifts that God gave us wasn't necessarily to serve ourselves, make ourselves look good, put ourselves on display. They are given to us to serve the body of Christ. And then he says, verse 6, this is something you and I as Christians also need to remember, there are different results. Two Christians can even exhibit the same gift in two different places, two different areas at the same time, whatever, and can have two different results. Literally, it means effects of the Spirit's power at work. The results aren't always the same. And we get caught up in America, especially, as such a result-oriented society. You know, well, you know, I'm, I'm using my gift, but I just don't see any results. Well, remember, the Bible says God is the one who's in charge of the results. He just calls us to faithfully serve Him and use whatever gifts we have. The results are up to Him. And then I love this. He is the same God, the same source who produces all of them in everyone. The word produces means he's at work. He is the power behind it all, if you will. And so he says in verse 7, here's a key verse. To each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. Wow, that's important. That's really the ultimate reason why God gives us spiritual gifts. So that we will use those gifts in His body to benefit the body. The word benefit means to help, to profit, and also, this is very important, to bring together. To bring together the body. So here's, here's a point that I think needs to be made, especially in our modern Christianity where there's this movement more and more about I don't need to be part of a local church. I can worship God on my own, which technically, yeah, you can worship God on your own, but that has nothing to do with what the Bible says about being part of His body. <laughs> we are responsible to be part of the body and to use our gifts for the benefit of the body of Christ. So that's why I tell Christians all the time, If you stay away from church, and you don't get involved in church, and you don't minister in your church, not only are, in a sense, you robbing yourself of the joy and fulfillment and satisfaction of seeing God work through you, but you're robbing your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Because there is a gift, there is something that you can offer the body that no one else can. And God has gifted you in such a way that if you will use your gifts, all will benefit in some way from your gift. Which goes back to what he's going to say later on again and emphasize the fact that's why every Christian is important. That there is no little seed Christian from God's perspective. Like, well, I'm just so-and-so. You know, no, he's going to tell us we're all important to the body. And that we need to look at being part of a church as a body. I hope nobody here would say, you know what? Uh, I haven't used that hand for a while. Just fall off, you know. Don't need it, you know. And yet so often we look at each other as brothers and sisters in Christ who are part of one body as if certain parts aren't necessary. We're going to get to that. I'm jumping ahead, but that's why God gives us spiritual gifts. He doesn't give them to us so that We can put on a show. He doesn't give them to us so that we can become celebrities. He doesn't give us gifts so that we can, you know, enamor everybody with the use of our gifts. He gives them all to us, whether they're behind the scenes gifts or in front gifts, so that others in the body of Christ can profit, can grow, can be helped by our gift. Now, again, I'm not going to take the time to go down through and define all these. This is not an exhaustive list as none of them are in the Bible. This is just a representative list. But Paul begins to list some of the specific gifts beginning in verse 8. One person is given through the spirit, the message of wisdom, another, the message of knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another performance of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But notice what he comes back to in verse 11. It is one and the same spirit. So diversity of gifts, but they're all coming from one source. And distributing as he decides. The word distributing means He divides it out. He diversifies it as He decides. Instead of Christians trying to manipulate, if you will, God into giving them certain gifts, we need to acknowledge that it is God's sovereign place to be able to choose what gifts He gives to each of us. Because in His wisdom, He knows how His body can be brought together and how all these gifts gifts can complement each other. And so, we need to just surrender to whatever gift or gifts we have and begin to use them. Because the Spirit is the one who decided what gifts we were given. And then the Bible goes on to say who produces all these things same word up in verse six who is at work who is the power behind it all so again when we're using our spiritual gifts we should never be trying to use them in our own ability in our own power because the whole idea of these spiritual gifts charismas is that it's a supernatural enablement. It's not something we can do on our own. The only way we can do it is because God is behind it. He's empowering us so that we can benefit the entire body of Christ. So he's talked about the importance of having the Spirit of God be our primary influence and understanding we all have a diversity of gifts. None of us are exactly alike. And we all then, because we're all different, we're all unique, then we all have some way that we can benefit the body that no one else can. But then he wants to come back to this whole unity Again, not uniformity, we're, we're all not alike, but that the fact that because it's the same God, if you will, the same Spirit behind it all, obviously then God is not going to give gifts to His body to where it fragments the body and causes division. It's supposed to bring us together. Which is why now in the next few verses, notice how many times He uses the word one, beginning in verse 12. For just as the body is one... And yet has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so too is Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or slaves or free. We were all made to drink of the one spirit. Let's remember again, too, we even sang about it tonight, baptism, that the word baptizo simply means a union that produces a permanent change. That's what the word baptism means. So we were baptized by the Spirit of God into one body, and forever now we are changed by that. Just like as I said, the Greeks used the word baptism when they described the pickling process of taking a cucumber, immersing it, baptizing it, in a vinegar-type liquid and leaving it there until the cucumber became a pickle. It took on a permanent change by being immersed, unioned with this liquid. That's what God does with us. And water baptism is simply a symbol of what God has already done. And then he goes on to say, verse 14... For in fact, the body is, again, not a single member, but many. He's reminding us that we are part of something much bigger, much larger, much greater than ourselves. But also beginning in verse 14, he now begins to touch on the problem of inferiority. How many Christians, because of what gifts or gifting they have, they don't think they're that important. And so notice... Beginning in verse 15, it's all about self-talk. It's not about what someone else is telling us. It's about what we tell ourselves. And can I just say, that's huge. That's one of the struggles that many Christians have is their self-talk, what they tell themselves. One of the best books I've ever read, other than the Bible obviously, is Telling Yourself the Truth. If you've never read that book, I would encourage you to do so. It's an awesome book. In fact, I've got a couple of copies. I just need to bring them and just throw them out there. Because notice what verse 15, if the foot says to themselves, well, since I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. <laughs> you know. I'm not important. They're all over here. They look at the hand and say, well, I'm not a hand, so that must mean I'm, I'm less. Notice, Paul says, it does not lose its membership in the body because of that. Be careful what you and I tell ourselves. Be careful how we view ourselves and how we talk to ourselves. Paul says, none of us as the children of God should ever feel inferior to any other believer. Whatever gifts the Holy Spirit gave to us, He's the one that gave them. He gave them to everyone. All of us have a place. All of us have a purpose. All of us can have benefit in the body. And just because I didn't get something that someone else didn't or did, doesn't make me any less. So be careful, Paul says. Then verse 16, if the ear says, since I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. It does not lose its membership in the body because of that. In fact, Paul says, if the whole body were an eye, what part would do the hearing? If the whole were an ear, what part would exercise the sense of smell? And I love the fact that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul used the physical body as a great illustration to every Christian because we get it. There are certain maybe parts of our physical body that we don't think are very important, but... Have it start giving us trouble or pain or, or we don't have it anymore. And all of a sudden, what we didn't think was very important was very important. I used to wonder when I was a kid, why did God give us toenails? <laughs> what purpose do toenails have? And then I was playing football in high school and long story, it was my own stupidity, but I took my spikes off just to give my feet a rest during a water break. And one of my teammates come by and his spike went right down through my toe. And of course, obviously, one of the byproducts of that was my toenail crushed and fell off. And try to put a sock on without a toenail. Ooh. So every part has its place. That's what I want you to get tonight. Don't look at yourself as, well, you know, I don't have this particular gift. or It's not about that. God will take care of the results. Everybody has their place. And God simply wants all of us to find our place. Verse 18, but as a matter of fact, God has placed each of the members in the body just as He decided. Again, Paul is reminding us God was sovereign in the way He set or put or laid alongside each of us as believers in the body. As He decided. It was His sovereign will and wisdom that determined what gifts we were given. Then he says in verse 19 again, if they were all the same member, where would the body be? We've we got to have differences because that's how the body comes together and really functions at its highest level. So now Paul has touched a little bit on the problem of inferiority, but now beginning in verse 20, he also now talks about the other sort of flip side of that. The problem of superiority. Superiority. Where certain people in the body, because of the certain gifts or gifting that they have, look at, uh, down their nose at other Christians who don't have similar gifts. Notice what he says. So now there are many members, verse 20, but one body. So the eye now, now it's not the eye talking to the eye, talking to itself. Now the eye is saying to the hand, I don't need you. Literally it means of no usefulness. Think about that. How foolish would it be for our eye to say to our hand, I don't need you. I'm the most important part. Obviously, that's not true. So again, there's the problem of inferiority where many Christians don't feel like they belong, that they're important. But then you've got the other problem where you've got Christians who are lifted up in pride, especially those who have what we call upfront gifts, where... They're the ones that are up front where they can tend to think that they're more important than anyone else. And Paul's going to get to that in just a moment. That's simply not true. Or at least it shouldn't be true in the body of Christ. Nor in turn can the head, verse 21, say to the foot, I don't need you. On the contrary, those members that seem to be weaker are essential. Literally indispensable, could not do without. Now, I think my personal opinion is that what Paul is referring to here down through this passage now is, is giving us an illustration of external internal, because I think that part of the problem in Corinth was that they were overemphasizing certain gifts, what I call the showy gifts, the upfront gifts to the neglect of the behind the scenes gifts that were really the backbone of the church. And everybody was fighting and clamoring to be up front and to be on display because they wanted to make a name for themselves. And nobody wanted to do the the behind-the-scenes work. And what Paul is trying to get us to see by, again, using the human body is, we can, like we do as humans, we can pay more attention to the external because that's what everybody sees. But would we really be able to live at all without a heart, lungs, liver, all that internal stuff that is really what is the most important thing. We spend a lot of time on making sure the external appearance of ourselves when we go out in public, that we spent way... But Paul's saying, but aren't the internals just as important, if not more important than the ones that are out front where everybody sees them? That's why he says in verse 23, and those members we consider less honorable, less esteemed, less valuable, we clothe with greater honor. We actually cover them up. And our unpresentable members are clothed with dignity. In a sense, what Paul's saying is we usually give more time and attention to things that we don't think are presentable, even externally. Have a blemish or... You know how like my hair gets out of place and I have to make sure, you know, it's all there and stuff. So he's saying even externally, when we look in a mirror or something or we see something out of whack, we make sure that we take more time and attention to get that right so that when we go out in public, we're more presentable. Paul says, well, then you're giving more attention to something that you, you think you've got a little bit of a problem with or that's lacking in some way. So Paul says, you do the same thing even by the way that you live your lives. But he says in verse 24, our presentable members do not need this time and attention. If everything's good in a certain area, then we don't spend much time with it. Instead, God has blended together the body. I love this. The words blended together literally mean in the Greek combined in order to unite. That's a beautiful picture of what God wants His body to be because it's Christ's body. It's one, as we've seen. That we are blended together. We we are combined in order to be united. And that's why God in His sovereign will and wisdom is the one who distributed the gifts because He knows exactly that when He calls certain Christians and draws certain Christians to become part of a local body like the Oasis, He knows exactly how those gifts are going to complement each other to where that particular body is going to be able to function at its highest level. And that's why you and I as Christians, and we've got to find a body that we can be committed to. We, we can't be part of multiple bodies. We're never going to really then be able to truly find our place and function in the way God intended for us to function. So then Paul says, God has blended together the body, giving greater honor to the lesser member. In other words, the ones that are behind, the ones that are underneath. And what Paul, I think, is just reminding the Corinthians of is is what the principles of the Word teach. That God places honor upon those who are willing to serve. Just like his son, to take the towel and to wash people's feet. It's exactly, and remember Jesus said, the greatest in my kingdom is the servant of all. If you want to be great, here's how you live. You, you, you humble yourself and, and you serve. If, if, if you don't want to be of much account in my kingdom, then you're going to make yourself this, you know, grand poobah who tells everybody else what to do, and you have other people serving you all the time. And Jesus says, no. Not in my kingdom, in the world that's the way it is, but not in my kingdom. I give honor to those who serve, especially to those who serve behind the scenes, who don't maybe get the applause and the credit and all of that. God honors especially those, because they're the ones that truly are exhibiting the heart of God in all of this. And then he says, He also does this so that, verse 25, there would be no division or dissension in the body, but that the members may have mutual concern for one another. Literally looking out for and providing for one another. And I just want to stop and say, obviously, again, we could always do better, and hopefully we will, but the heart of the people at the Oasis... You guys are just tremendous. And not only how you look out for each other, but just like with things like Market on the Move on Saturday and just taking meals to people and all that kind of stuff, you you really look out for each other. And that's what God, He loves that. Because that's why He brought us together. Again, and doesn't that give us then the picture of the church that the church is to be about relationships where we are literally connected to each other? Where he goes in verse 26 to say, if one member suffers, everyone suffers with it. If a member is honored, all rejoice with it. See, the body of Christ should share in the joys and sorrows of one another. Well, let me ask you a question. How does that happen if you don't even know who's in the body? If you don't have relationships, I mean, real meaningful relationships with people in the church, how's that going to take place? That's why God said, I design my body to be connected to each other. So that they know what each other's going through. So they can help each other and encourage it. Not that they're up in each other's business in a, in a bad way. But so that if there is a need there, if there's something that they can do to help, they can look out for each other. That's, that's what the body is all about. And then in verse 27, he says, now you are Christ's body and each of you is a member of it. By the way, I love the word body in the Greek language. It literally means to cast a shadow. And I love that because that's really what the church, every local church and the church in general, that's what we should be doing. We should be casting a shadow of Christ or for Christ everywhere we go. That's what his body should do. That's what a body does. It casts a shadow. And then again, he goes through not an exhaustive list, but a representative list beginning in verse 28. We'll wrap it up here in five minutes. And each of you, God has placed, again, set or put in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helps, gifts of leadership, different kinds of tongues, Not all are apostles, are they? Not all are prophets, are they? Not all are teachers, are they? Not all perform miracles, do they? Not all have gifts of healing, do they? Not all speak in tongues, do they? Not all interpret, do they? In other words, again, diversity. We complement. We're all from the same source. But God gives us all uniqueness, even with our spiritual gifting, so that we all then... Can benefit the body in some way. And then in verse 31, he ends this great passage with these words to the church. The reason I know it's to the church and not to individuals is because the word you there in verse 31 is plural. He's speaking now to the church at Corinth who always desired the upfront, showy gifts, which were really the ones causing all the problems. And Paul said, I want you as a church. To burn with passion for greater gifts. And the greater gifts in this context isn't always the upfront, showy gifts. It's the behind the scenes service and ministry that many times goes unnoticed. It is really the backbone of any church, as Paul says. And then Paul says no matter what our gifts are, no matter what abilities, talents, place God has for you, Paul said, I've got something that I want to talk to you about that literally blankets it all. And that is love. Which is why he ends chapter 12. Well, now I will show you a way, a way that is beyond comparison, a way that is superior, a way that is excellent. That however we use our gifts, however we seek to serve the body, It should always be done out of a heart of love. And so next week we're going to teach on this great passage, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter on the character and the priority and the perseverance and the permanence of love. That's why 1 Corinthians 13 in the context is right smack dab in the middle of the two most important passages on spiritual gifts in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. No accident that love is right in the middle of it all. Because part of what was happening in Corinth, again, is these were unspiritual people. Oh, they were saved. They were Christians. They possessed the Spirit. But the Spirit of God was not their primary influence. And they were doing these things, but they weren't very loving. And they weren't doing them out of love and for love. And so Paul says, again, i got to call you back to let's make sure that the way we treat each other, the way we move with each other, the way we interact with each other, the relationships that we have, that it all comes from this great reservoir of God's love that He pours out in our lives each and every day. Again, generally we went through 1 Corinthians 12, but I know maybe many of you have maybe questions or you just would like some more information. One of the things in this packet is actually a spiritual gifts test that Lisa and I really like that can help Christians by answering some simple questions Find out what their spiritual gift is. I know there's lots of tests. There's lots of stuff out there. It's just our preference. So we're not saying it's the only one. Uh, But anyway, if if some of you would like this material, uh, just come by and see Lisa and grab one off of her on your way out the door. And I just want to thank you guys again for being here tonight. Don't forget, uh, the women have Bunko Thursday night. And then uh, the women of Virtue... Our meeting Saturday, this is for all women who want to be a part. And I'm telling you, this group is growing so much, we might have to find another place other than a home for all these gals. And uh, of course, Saturday, uh, the uh, men's softball is in the playoffs. Uh, So if you want to go and cheer on our men's softball team this Saturday, uh, that's on Saturday. And then of course, Sunday, I'd love to see you all at church on Sunday because we're going to just have a great time. So anyway, have a great rest of the week. Let's close in prayer. God, thank You so much for just being such a giving God. Not only, Lord, giving us salvation, giving us Your righteousness in place of our sin, but giving us Your Holy Spirit to be the primary influence in our life, to help guide us. And then, God, thank You for the gifts. These gifts that are of Your grace. We we didn't earn them. We don't deserve them. They are simply more of Your grace that You just bestow in our lives to just even give us more more blessing, more purpose, more fulfillment, more satisfaction, more joy as we see You work through us and just do supernatural things through just frail, limited human beings made of dust. God, thank You. Thank you for just making us so high of value. And yet, God, in the body of Christ, so often we don't value ourselves like we should. Or we devalue other believers. So, God, help us to truly come together as your spiritual gifts really are given to us to do. Help bring us together, Lord, by your Spirit and by the by the giving of these gifts and the use of these gifts in your body to truly unite our hearts and bring us together so that, God, we will form a body that truly looks out for each other, that truly loves and cares about each other. When one of us is hurting, all of us are hurting. When one of us is rejoicing and celebrating, we all should be rejoicing and celebrating because we're all tied together. We're all part of one body, the body of Christ. So, God, just... Lift us up tonight. Take us out of here, Lord, again, just so encouraged by the fact that not only can we call ourselves God's children, but the fact, Lord, that You have given us such wonderful opportunities to truly bring honor and glory to You and to profit and benefit and help other people all around us if we'll just follow what Your Word says. Lord, give us a great evening, give us a great week. Be with all those ministries, Lord, that are meeting this week, the young adults on Thursday night, and and Lord, other things that are going on. And Lord, we just pray that all of this ministry that, that is going on, Lord, it'll just be great. And there'll just be so many wonderful things happening. And God, just Watching you work in our midst is just so exciting, so energizing. We just ask for you to just continue. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, have a great night. We'll see you on Sunday.